When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five, four, three, two, one. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good times. Good, good times. Busy times. In a, in a way that's fun for those of us that love the game. Disappointing results Saturday. Touch on that. Recap that momentarily. But, meanwhile, it is a uh, wait and see sort of moment. Minute by minute. Hour by hour in the world of college football. Because... So much change is occurring, um, you know, from from the time the clock struck zero in the game against Florida to to where we are today. Coming on the show, just uh, rapid fire changes in the sport that, in some way, an ancillary way in some cases, affect how Florida State moves forward. First, though, the game. Let's go back to that. Um, you know, this this was uh, painfully obvious, and I say that. Uh, specifically to the moment that I realized, oh, Florida cares. And didn't take long to realize they did. That was always going to be a problem. We mentioned before that if that was true, it would be a problem because they got better players. In particular, they have better players at key positions like offensive and defensive line. In particular, the ends on the defensive line and then their offensive line, which, oh, by the way, statistically speaking, had done a very good job of protecting the passer as average as he very well may be um, all year long. And it actually turned out to be the case that uh, our very good front uh, was nullified in a lot of ways in their efforts to get to the passer. Now, luckily, Emory Jones in that first half allowed for Florida State to stay in the game, especially while Florida State, obviously, was rendered impotent by the Jordan Travis injury to his shoulder. To his credit, 
He is a tough kid who handles those injuries about as well as you could hope in the sense that he is willing to go back in that locker room and take that shot and get wrapped up and come back out and give it a go. It does continue to plague us, though, that that is a frequent occurrence because obviously Florida State is a one-trick pony. When he goes down, there is nobody else to put in the game at that position, the most important position on the field, uh, that can move this offense in any way, shape, or form. And so it's a shame that McKenzie Milton's career ends that way, but it seemed like ill-fated to go to him, and it quickly proved to be so. Uh, Rodemaker came in, you had the uh, one drive. I think I think he would have had an opportunity to be more successful, uh, certainly than McKenzie Milton. I think they would have had to utilize his legs, it, it, believe it or not, in the second half had he had to play to open some other things up. Not something you could do with McKenzie Milton. But as it turns out, Jordan Travis does come back and sparks uh, Florida State, uh, and they go down and score, and we tie the game, and the game is tied at halftime. And you think to yourself, okay, got a fighting chance here despite all that's gone wrong in this you half. Get the ball. Get the, yeah, let's see what happens. And no, wasn't to be. And in fact, slowly as that game wore on, you could see the wear and tear of playing a more physical team and a more physical uh, team they were, Florida was, and an intensely focused team, albeit son of a gun. They sure were. That's frustrating, but it happened. And so between that and, yet again, another special teams blunder, uh, you lose this football game. It only seems fitting that that pathetic onside kick attempt is the way that a season ends in which special teams was the bane of our existence. I mean, I watched that and thought... Do you think he actually hit it? I wonder if it was the wind from the leg. I don't know. It's, it's embarrassing. It's, I've never seen anything that sorry in all my life. Like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> just, just weird. It's just, it goes in line with our special team's problems this year. Just, you know, okay. Of course. And, of course, we dropped the punt. And the game changed pretty quickly upon the dropping of said punt. Uh, I can't fathom that that won't be something remedied uh, before the start of next season or as we start the next season. Because the head coach cares deeply about it, he's done a good job of changing a lot of other things that he cares deeply about, including the way you go about your business on a day-to-day basis. So I would venture a guess that without question, that will get fixed. But boy, for as much as he could allow himself to vet the season that was and what he liked and what he didn't like because he didn't have much time. He didn't have much time. He was on a plane immediately and it's off to the world of uh, recruiting and, and, and visiting with people, potential transfer portal kids and the like. If he did, he'd take stock. He'd take inventory and say, we did this well, we did this well, and oh my God, I'm never again going to be a part of a group that is this bad on special teams. Whatever has to change. And it's weird to me because that's something, and again, it's down the list of things because they got to get better personnel in here if they're going to have an appreciably better season next year. But I, I got to imagine, he, I don't know what you do in that sense, Tom. Like, if you're good at something, like, for example, you're good at math, always have been. If all of a sudden you endeavored in a project in which math was important to your success and you helmed said project and that group failed miserably, repeatedly at, you know, the computations. 
you would really take that personally. It would begin to eat at you in a way in which you saw maybe one to two hours of sleep at night possible. Yeah, it already is, and it's not even a real scenario. Right. I'm like, already bothered. Like you're already bothered by that scenario, that What'd what you do if, that, for? that my hypothetical. Heart, my heart rate's gone up a, a few beats. <laughs> right. Come on, man. But that's the thing, right? Like, if you're good at something and you know you're good at it, if it falls in that category of things that you excel in, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Identifying those and working on your weaknesses while bolstering your strengths, we're all trying to do that all the time in whatever field we're in. And so I can only imagine to know I'm really good at this, always have been, and we suck terribly at this again and again and again. And yet I rep it every day in practice. Yeah, what could we have been better at this year? You know, if we could, if we just took that time oh my God. and put it somewhere else, what could we have done more? I don't know. So I... I'm just curious. I really am. Uh, I, I can't. I mean, that has to be a moment where you're fighting a nervous breakdown. Like what? It was slow motion watching Pokey go back to catch that ball. Like the ball. I was just telling you during the break. It, the ball's in the air. Everybody's watching it. Of course, Thunderfoot back here drops a sixty burger on us. It's still in the air, and I have enough time to say. Why are you calling for a fair catch? There's nobody within 25 yards of you. Now, I'm saying all of that while the ball is still in the air because the hang time is robust. And I see him turn his back on the ball, and I go, oh, that's not good. Just move out of the way. Just move out of the way. I'll take an 80-yard punt, which is a kick to the cojones, rather than see you drop this ball, which you most assuredly are going to do if you attempt to catch it, and then the ball hits his hands. As I said, all of those things, and see the ball bouncing on the ground right back towards the – yes, yes. Yeah, we actually have audio of you. Watch- we snuck in a microphone into your home, and uh, we have the audio. Go from- ahead. Yeah. Yep. That last part is uh, as the ball is finally traveling to the earth. We couldn't run the rest of it because it would be an FCC violation. I just exhaled. I just exhaled when it happened. I just went, it's the last game. It's the last game. I don't have to watch any more special teams blunders. Not by us, anyhow. For the rest of the season. Any other special teams blunders that will take place will take place elsewhere. Yeah, but you'll still be mad watching those. No. Because it'll I remind celebrated you. Indianapolis and their <laughs> special teams <laughs> yeah, blunder yesterday. Yeah. I absolutely said, there you go. Way to pull a Florida State. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Bucks had one return by Darden, got us to the 30-yard line, and it took about eight seconds because he went across the field. Mm-hmm. And my immediate reaction was, man, that is eight seconds of real time for the officials who have their hands on the hanky. They're ready to call a holding or a block in the back mm-hmm. for five yards. We're going to go through eight seconds of tempting these people who are like on strict diets and you're waving a pizza in front of their nose, <laughs> you know, and say, yeah. nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Yeah. Do what you want to do. What, what benefit is there? There are certain c- circumstances in which, well, what the hell difference does it make? Let's try and just get a good return here because yeah. nothing else is going to work. But then there are other instances where you go, the 25 is a good place. I like the 25. The 25 is a great place. We had one return on the corner kick. It was it was almost like a coffin corner. Mm-hmm. Jimbo did this. He started doing this oh, 10 years ago. He, he was the really good at it. Line. Yeah, yeah, and just destroy people. You know, just because you catch the ball outside the numbers doesn't mean you can't go to the right. do. Correct. You can. With a little fair catch action. I was more mad about that in a lot of ways than I was the punt. Because, you know, how are you going to be prepared for the kid to go 65? He went on, the ghost of Sean Powell was strong in that building. As soon as he kicked it, I was like, oh, really? You're going to Sean Powell us? You? You, beca- you became the example of that you always give. Like, we had to be that guy. We had to yell GD at the yeah. top of our lungs. It's a 10-7 ball game at that point. Yeah. By the way, uh, 
when we, we well, anyhow, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on one aspect. It's not why we lost the game. Certainly didn't help us overcome some other areas of deficiency. How many wins above replacement uh, would you attribute to special teams? Negative three? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to, hard to calculate. It's unbelievable. But um, Florida State now sets about the process of securing this class and benefiting by having continuity and an established methodology in place for the early signing period that we have not had before. And if they are able to secure uh, signatures on the line which is dotted on that fateful day, then we will see the floor raised, at least in terms of talent and competition. It does not mean that it will immediate impact the results on the field. It will improve the chances of those results on the field, but most of the time, true freshmen do not come in and radically alter the next year's slate to two to three more wins. That's not how that works. It's the year after that and the year after that 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 impact is felt. There are exceptions. Occasionally you get otherworldly, uh, transcendent, uh, preternaturally great athletes like Travis Hunter who come in and have a chance to play right away and immediately upgrade your chances of being a better offense, for example, if he's playing wide receiver, or a better defense if he's playing corner, or both if he's doing both, in which let's, I certainly hope he is. Uh, but any of the linemen that you sign in this class are not going to be of great value next year. Thus, we turn our attention to the transfer portal, where you hit a home run with several guys last year. There it is. This last offseason saw the transfer portal provide uh, fruitful changes up front. And Florida State, uh, certainly within the ACC especially, were able to kind of dominate in the run game, meaning uh, stopping the run and, and, and really pushing teams to be more one-dimensional. Uh, this was a good Florida offensive line, and they kind of shut down that group up front and then played with a chip on their shoulder and an edge and a physicality that we were not able to match. Yeah, quick side note on that. I think the officials clearly were letting them play in the trenches, mm -hmm. and I don't know that that's necessarily a net negative for us, given what our offensive line was facing against the Florida defensive line, especially with without a right guard that we would prefer to be out there. Right? So yeah. I think that, that ended up being a net wash, maybe a little bit of an advantage to FSU. I do think, however, in a in a vacuum, we were going to wreak more havoc on Florida, but they were allowing some tugging, some grasping. I think they wanted the game to move along as much as possible until they didn't want the game to move yeah, along. And then as they much got a little really confused, and they didn't. Yeah, the, the marker was misplaced, and all kinds of weird. You know, in real time, because of the way that TV presented that, you didn't know, you didn't catch it. No, I saw the marker up top. I'm like, well, that's a first down. Why are they talking about this like it's fourth down? Right. And before going on the post-game show, you got to make sure you have that stuff square. Went back during a commercial break. Yeah, it was first and goal from the nine and a half. Mm -hmm. How you get that wrong on the fly, and maybe they kick a field goal there from the three. They might just. They punted from fourth and a half foot with a giant quarterback that they could have called a sneak with. Yeah. So he might have kicked a field After goal. After he got an unfavorable spot. Correct. So that was most certainly a first down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was too. I was like, oh. Great spot, Mr. Official. My goodness. And it was the far side official on the other side of the pile. It's just we got on the on the list of things to get fixed for college football and for Florida State in particular, uh, we'll get too bogged down if we turn our attention to what they have got to find a way to do better in officiating. And one of which is to change an overriding mentality of as to how you do your job and what you're looking for. It, it, it has to stop being an incessant witch hunt for penalties, but rather only finding egregious infractions. Well, you got to make sure where the down is. 
We, we can do that, <laughs> we right? We can, can make sure we're That's not insignificant. All right. It's not an insi- insignificant We've gotten moment. a lot better, by the way, with the cameras in the pylons, especially in the NFL where you see you know, yeah. down the line. It's so fun to watch that when they do it. we we got to get the laser. we got to get the laser so that old men who are woefully behind the play aren't deciding where the spot of the football is to the tune of, oh, they gave him a first down on that? He was two yards short. Or, oh, my God, they say he's short on that? He's a yard and a half past the line. Like now coaches are constantly stuck in limbo as to do I do I call timeout so they can review this? Do I have to throw the flat? What are we doing? What that spot is egregious. Like that is a conversation that happens every week because we have old dudes trying to watch a game that is flying with elite athletes making plays simultaneous. I don't really judge them too much on that because it's a tough task. So let's take it out of their hands and get a laser on that ball so we know where the hell somebody went down. See, the mic wasn't on. There you go. There you go. And I, and I was coming with a Roger, and there was nothing in the ear. Roger Goodell has said 10 years ago that they could do it if they wanted to. Well, okay, prove Why it. Why would they not want to? I say prove it. Yeah. I don't believe you is yeah. what you could say because if it were well, True, they would do it. Which tells me that what tennis is doing has been a fraud ah, for 20 years. I, I don't think so. You want to believe that. <laughs> they just pick one. They're like, how about uh, in, out? No, how yeah. about the one one millionth of an inch oh, in? Come on, let's go with that. Yeah. Out. I love it. I love it. So in addition to all of that, we have a change in Oklahoma, a pending change at LSU, and the candidates are one by one getting uh, picked off uh, on the order of things uh, to go elsewhere. Napier is the next coach at the University of Florida. We'll see how that works out. Certainly a buttoned-up guy that's done a good job of recruiting at Louisiana, but now he takes a huge step up in competition. That's always certainly an unknown. On the surface, seems to uh, meet the criteria of uh, a good hire, but we don't know. Miami still figuring out what they're going to do. Oklahoma now has to find a head coach because out of nowhere, after losing Bedlam, Lincoln Riley decides, I'm going to hit the reset button. Let's take it to California. What do you think? Takes his defensive coordinator with him. USC, bolstered immediately, suddenly becomes a sexy place to uh, play football again, perhaps. Certainly for quarterbacks it does because Lincoln Riley has an impeccable uh, reputation amongst quarterbacks. So a lot of those guys that have been fleeing the state of California to play elsewhere uh, will now maybe stay in-state and play at USC. Yeah, that worries me real quick because Michael Pittman from Oregon that yes. we were interested in, his brother played at USC. Right. right? You know, they've got the West Coast ties due to the Pittman family, mm-hmm. and now did the Trojans again become – I mean, if, Perhaps, if I was a, a wide receiver, I'm like, ooh, yeah. Riley's at oh, USC. My brother yeah. went there. I liked it there. It was, sure. Yeah. Yeah, stop making the case. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely, I, I could see that. And then I think um, it gets interesting now – what does LSU do? What does because again, Franklin resigned, mega money there at Penn State. Mel Tucker locked in at Michigan State to the tune of ninety million dollars. My goodness gracious! Uh, you know there there are there are names you hear bantied about. Uh, one of which though was before was Franklin. Now Lane Kiffin's a name you're going to hear a lot, perhaps for that job at LSU. Miami's kind of left in the lurch here right now in deciding who they're going to go after because most of the biggest names have either been linked to another job or re-signed or gone elsewhere and already locked it in. I would think they'd make a real run at Mario Cristobal, who then has to make a decision. Does he make does he does he say yes based on heartstrings? 
because he's got an affinity for the place and he loves it and he wants to go help out a program that has really struggled uh, for the last 20 years and he loves them because it's not a better job than the Oregon job. Not anymore. But that doesn't always, I mean, when you've got money and you want to coach somewhere, maybe you go back. Maybe it happens. We'll see. At which point, what does Oregon do? And on and on it goes. It gets very, very interesting. I mean, there's even a scenario, and we just got done watching an incredible ending between Alabama and Auburn. And oh, by the way, when Bigsby ran out of bounds, did you not think, oh my God, you're going to lose this game? Because I did. The second it happened, I was like, you can't run out of bounds. I don't care if you're pulled. You have to fall straight to the ground. You cannot, under any set of circumstances, fall out of bounds. But anyhow, the point is, there is even a set of circumstances which Harson, who's in year one at Auburn, leaves there to take a, a Pac-12 job that he's wanted or an elite-level job uh, out of the SEC because folks at Auburn weren't in love with that hire to begin with. So it could be one and done for that guy, who was extremely well thought of while at Boise State, obviously. It's just, this is fun. It's fun. Well, yeah. Well, well, yeah. I don't get it. Bring the head cold. It's, fun. It's, it's cool to watch. It's kind of cool to uh, sit back and, and know that for once we're in a position where we're not having to worry about where we're, you know, where we're going on the sidelines. We, we, the, listen, Norvell's back, most of the staff, if not all, back. Continuity's in place. Seize the opportunity in recruiting. But then also the transfer portal list is only going to grow over the oh, next week. Oh, yeah. I've been watching the, the news wires. I feel like this is what we need to do now between yeah. today and, and the holidays is continually look at, at the wire, see different reports and what's going on. I saw, you know, Dalvin Cook, the labrum injury. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's done for the season. Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech entered his name into the transfer portal. That's a nice player. You're going to be seeing a lot of players at Oklahoma, at LSU. Yes. Maybe Miami. Maybe Miami's going to put a quarterback on the market. You never know. Well, Brett Lashley's gone. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. Look most heavily in that transfer portal for offensive linemen that can start immediately. Florida State is said to be in on two possibilities, one of them being in a Wisconsin offensive lineman. Um, let's see if that comes to pass. Uh, look in particular at linebacker. You're in desperate need of upgrading the room at linebacker, to say the least. And then, of course, as we've reiterated time and again, you're going to lose an awful lot of what made you competitive this season up front on the defensive line. And you're going to have to find uh, not just replacements, but really guys that can help you sustain some level of uh, excellence because you really were very, very good for the most part week in and week out with the front four. And if you lose all of those guys – it's awfully tough to see Florida State turning the corner and having the kind of season that this season's cultural shift, competitive shift, portends of. So that's why you get nervous that you'll remain stagnant despite improvements. And, you know, it's hard. It's like uh, when you're going through these sort of labor pains of, uh, you know, birthing something uh, better than what you are, uh, it's tough to be patient, you know, because it's it's agonizing. Quite frankly, it's agonizing. And, and you know, watching games in which you're physically outmatched, it's, it's impossible. It's Jeff Cabbage on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every 
time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Let's do it. Let's talk to my man. Irash Bell, Warchant.com. A lot of content going on right now at Warchant, as you can imagine. Uh, you'll see the uh, headline there if you head on over to Warchant.com. Transfer Watch, FSU pushing for a pair of offensive line transfers. Yes, please. You can certainly read Iris 321, lack of composure, lost opportunity, and looking to the future. And... Um, you know, I think getting kind of a refresher course with uh, Michael Langston on who's where, what, projecting to be, et cetera, all that good stuff, because uh, now we're talking about improving the roster without further ado. Hello, Ira. How are you, my brother? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. We're busy in a good way, though. I'm really excited. Uh, enjoyed the smash last night with you, as always, buddy. I thought it was fun. And, you know, towards the end there, we were kind of joking around about being in constant contact with uh, Warchant's own Michael Langston, wanting to know where these kids are are, are headed and perhaps where their head's at. That's going to be us over the next uh, couple weeks, right? Every second of every day, it's less about what just transpired this season and more about what's possible through the transfer portal and recruiting. Uh, there's no doubt. And I, you, know, caught you guys talking about it in the uh, last segment, I think, or maybe the one before that, about you know, there's just so many moving pieces now with college football, the way things have changed. And we're seeing it right now with – Lincoln Riley and Southern Cal, where all of these kids are decommitting from Oklahoma mm-hmm. and suddenly interested in Southern Cal. And uh, and then that's not going to be just only recruits. I mean, that's going to be uh, players who are already in the, at a at program that are going to look to follow coaches across the country. And and so uh, that's going to create opportunities. It's also going to create challenges um, as you kind of have this, you know, the domino effect of program to program that all these you know programs are going to be affected by these changing rosters. I think this offseason is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. By far, and uh, you know, I rarely necessarily specifically say, hey, go follow this group on social media, but if you go to uh, NCAA Transfer Portal, at Rivals Portal on Twitter, have fun with that, everybody. I mean, it's it's a name after one name after the next, and every time one of those names comes up, like Jameer Gibbs, for example, you go, ooh, Florida State could use him. Mm-hmm. You know, you find yourself doing this with a lot of players. And and if you don't know a certain player, you find yourself going to watch that video because it could be a player that, for example, uh, maybe you didn't hear about or played in a region of the country in which you didn't see their games, and now you look and go, oh, he's a linebacker. I'd like him. We could use a linebacker. So a lot of fans doing a lot of film viewing and a lot of name watching and research right now because of that transfer portal. But I do think, Ira, it's fun for you and me and everybody else who covers Florida State and or just roots for Florida State to to fall back and realize for the first time in a long time that perhaps they're in an advantageous position. Um, they really haven't been since the early signing period became a thing, and now they are. Well, and also, you know, I think that you know it's going to. It's also interesting to see how these coaches play it. You know, I think if you look back to last year, I thought Mike Norvell was pretty aggressive 
um, when jumping on players. You know, I think they wanted to be, I think Jermaine Johnson talked about it. Uh, Kier Thomas talked about it. McKenzie Milton talked about it. You know, Andrew Parchment. When those guys went in the portal, Florida State was already ready to pounce, and it helped them in that regard. Uh, but it also can hurt you a little bit if you're too aggressive because you don't know what else is coming out and what else is going to become available, and you don't want to fill up too early. So that part of it is going to be fascinating to see how they juggle that. Plus, uh, you know, on top of the you know the exemption where they're going to be able to have right. latitude with the the rosters this year because of COVID last year, and then also um, you know balancing with with this high school class, which could be really good. You know, like last year, I thought this decision was pretty easy for Mike Norvell when it came to leaning heavily on the transfer portal and not as much in the high schools, because I don't know how well they could have done with high school players because of that COVID year in recruiting. This year is different. I mean, they, they may have some tougher decisions about how many high school guys to take versus how many portal guys to take and, uh, you know, and then when to pull the trigger. Do you jump on a guy as soon as you can, or do you wait to see what else is available? Tom and I were talking in that first hour how difficult a task it really is, because you're on the road right now. Meeting with people, trying to you know lock down guys that you've already been recruiting, but also other new names. And every five minutes, there's another another name in the portal. Like, do you have any idea of how that structure looks, Ira, behind the scenes? Who's monitoring this, and 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 what is the process Florida State goes through for deciding whether or not to reach out? Well, I do think that I think that there's my guess is that, and this isn't hard and fast. Um, I don't have this like locked down right. as far as reporting it, but. But I think that they have a pretty good feel through connections throughout the course of the season um, of guys that might be coming available. You know, one of the things that in the NFL, I was talking to one of the NFL scouts a couple weeks ago about this at one of the games that I happened to be sitting next to them, and they were talking about it, 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 it their, at their team and all NFL teams, they have two different scouting departments. They have the scouting department for college kids. They also have the, the current NFL scouting department, which is to look at free agents who are going to be coming available. And I think what's happens, I think what, what college programs are doing now is, is they're keeping feelers out to, through their fellow coaches that mm-hmm. they know in the business. Uh, and then also, uh, just their own research, you know, which guys that you might, uh, you know, you might have expected to have bigger careers so far, who might be looking, who might be, uh, so they can do some research, who might be coming available. And they all talk. I mean, all these coaches talk amongst themselves. If you coach a kid, for example, Florida State has a guy, on their team that doesn't fit right now because maybe they don't have, um, uh, you know, there's somebody else starting ahead of them who's better or it's just not working out or they're homesick. A lot of times that coach might reach out to a coach at another school and say, hey, that they're friends with and say, hey, this kid, I have a feeling he may get in the portal. You guys might be interested to help the kid out and to help their buddy out. So I think there's all kinds of uh, avenues to those discussions. I don't think when a, when a name shows up in the portal, I doubt Florida State's coaches or many coaches are surprised about it. I think they probably have an idea that's going to be coming. Yeah, I wonder, now that we've entered into this era where kids have uh, greater freedom to, to come and go and, and leave uh, institutions and you know kind of follow the path that coaches have taken for so many years, just leaving programs in the lurch or whatever it might be, do you think it's more likely than ever before that you would see, even within the state? So, for example, a kid like Gerald Mincy, at Florida, mm-hmm. he's in the transfer portal. He's 6'5", 320 pounds. He played in 10 games. It, it, would, would Florida State go after a kid that played at Miami or Florida and vice versa? Oh, I think 100%. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, again, assuming that, there's, you know, that they've, done, you know, they've done their due diligence and all that, but yeah, I definitely think so. And I think, you know, just like coaches, I mean, it's going down the same path as coaches. I mean, if you think back to, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time 
people were probably aghast that Mickey Andrews, who coached at Florida, came to coach at Florida State. Um, you know, there, it used to be kind of frowned upon. You'd see coaches go from rival to rival, but now we see it all the time. Shoot, this season, Manny Diaz, an FSU grabs coach on their team. Uh, Garen Justice was their offensive line coach. He, he, he was a GA at Florida State. Uh, you know, Randy Shannon's on the Florida State sidelines. And I think the player side is just, it's just following that path. I, it wouldn't surprise me. It, again, they used to be able to block all that. You know, mm-hmm. they used to be able to, schools would block kids from going to rivals or going to in-state schools or going to uh, conference schools. Uh, but those days are over. So, yeah, I think you're going to see more of that. Final thing, Ira, before I let you go, and I know folks can go and read the 321 on You've had some time to reflect and ruminate a little bit about what happened at the end of the year with that final game and disappointing ending to an otherwise, I think, uh, progress-laden season. Not the record you'd want, but I think we saw the kind of forward strides we were hoping to in terms of the shift in culture and the fight on the field, etc. Uh, anything else that has occurred to you in the aftermath of this loss that uh, you want to share with us here about, uh, I guess, the good, the bad, and the ugly, if you will? Yeah, you know, I just think it's, I'm sure Mike, Mike Norvell is going to be kicking himself for that game for a long time because, you know, the thing he really prides himself in is, is really – getting the kids to play smart, playing, being composed and controlling their emotions and all that. And I think, I don't know if he got caught up in the rivalry or if he was trying to get them to, to fight so hard mm-hmm. that, that, you know, to win that game that um, you know, he didn't maybe dial it back maybe where he could have. Um, but they just, Florida State lost that game. You know, obviously Florida's more talented, but, but, but I think Florida State lost that game. Where they could have won that game was being the smarter team, being the more focused team. And, and getting a lead and then letting Florida self-destruct, and they didn't do that. And I'm sure Mike Norvell's going to be kicking himself for that. But but overall, no, I think things are definitely trending in the right direction. The, the one thing that I kind of laugh at is so many people, at least on social media and some fans I've talked to, are, are caught up on this idea that Florida State lost to an interim coach. And one of the things I'd say is, you know, look, man, Jimbo Fisher, who everybody pines away for, a lot of fans in this fan base, by the way, were lost to a, a, a lame duck coach who was fired over a month ago. So, you know, you can't just you can't just cherry pick circumstances and say, okay, that's a bad sign. This is, uh, I think, there are way more positive signs about what this coaching staff did over the last two months. Uh, you would have loved to have won that game, but I still think things are going the right direction. Always appreciate it, my brother. Be well. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. Yep. Yeah, no, cherry pick is the uh, apt descriptor there. That happens a lot uh, for circumstance. It happened last night when we were doing the Sunday Smash. I saw certain complaints that I'm like, well, yeah, you can say that now, but you didn't say that a year ago when this happened. And so that's that's where we're at when you're disgruntled and frustrated. And certainly there are reasons, there are aspects of what happened this year that uh, need to improve, some things that you don't like that uh, need to get better, most of which we've pointed to on special teams. I do think Tom makes a good point on um, – on, on Twitter here, uh, to me and Ira last night, he wrote, uh, I'm catching up on the Sunday Smash just to add special teams conversation it, to this special teams conversation. It's largely a reflection on talent, particularly depth of talent. In my opinion, special teams magnifies a team's lack of talent more than any other segment. Uh, I tend to agree on that, by the way. Do you recall, of course, we had devastatingly effective special teams when we were a dominant program? Uh, the two seem to go hand in hand because you have – a lot of your starters, in some cases, on special teams, uh, blowing up uh, return teams, bro- you know, making plays, uh, electrifying plays in the return game, those kinds of things. If you have speed and dynamicism, you you, you can see that. Uh, we, we just haven't had that. 
Yeah, and if it wasn't a starter in those days, it was a five-star freshman. It was somebody who was built going different. to be, yeah. You know, yeah, as yeah. Telvin Smith as a yeah, true freshman. Right, it was right. Carlos Williams that was blowing up the wedge. Carlos you know? Williams would go down and do things that were frightening. And I remember thinking to myself, what is your worst fear? Uh, having been uh, a guy that played on special teams, it would have been seeing Carlos Williams coming at me. Uh, at he's full, not slowing down at full speed. Yeah, he's not slowing down for that contest. At that at that size, that's. Just I love watching us cover kicks for that reason. Oh, it was, like, dude, it was wrong. <laughs> like somebody's gonna get hurt. Like the fans go, whoa, oh, when the ball's yeah. kicked off. We're going, whoa, yeah. when Carlos is approaching the wedge at the twenty. Well, and I also remember thinking, like against the lesser teams, like Idaho, like somebody's gonna get killed out here. Like don't. Call for a fair catch, please. You're going to get hurt. Do not return this. I mean, every time I watched us back then, you would think about each individual collision favoring Florida State time and again. Um, so it's like when Nigel Bradham's on special teams, you got a problem. Hey, man, I had that nightmare. It was on his pro day. I set my backpack down in the wrong area. I went to get my backpack. I looked up. He's coming at me full speed because he's running a shuttle drill. Mm. Yeah, man. And that's <laughs> That reminds you <laughs> yeah. that – there are very special people on this earth, genetically speaking, who are meant to be playing a sport like that. Yeah, yeah, gladiatorial sports. Oh, man. Uh, their cup of tea, Woo. yeah. Also, it reminds you currently this year, that's why I think it was a good point from Tom there on Twitter, that you didn't feel that way with us this year on special teams, ever. You always thought the other team had the advantage. Yeah, even UMass, they, <laughs> it was either a stalemate or they won it. Yeah, because we did. both fumbled. We yeah. both fumbled on kick returns. It was embarrassing. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. That prior to Sunday's 38-31 win by Tampa Bay over Indianapolis, the Colts had only given up a grand total of five touchdowns to running backs, opposing running backs on the season. I had no idea that that was the case. Yeah, they gave up four to Leonard Fournette. Uh, that is doing some things. And then think about uh, Ronald Jones. Yeah, yeah. One of Leonard's was the was a catch, so it was four rushing touchdowns. But to running backs in general, all yeah. five. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So, uh Certainly uh, not something you saw coming based on those statistics. Uh, as for the Bucks, um, you know, I, I think obviously sort of an up-and-down affair, and they were helped out a little bit uh, by some questionable decisions from Indianapolis, also a muff punt. But uh, that said, that's a big comeback on the road. And the NFL, which we barely glazed or haven't touched on even today, uh, but will for a moment here, is uh, – Infinitely fascinating again. Was last year and it is again this year. Uh, Green Bay is legit, obviously, and that was a big win for them. And the Rams have to again look inward as uh, that team has had a a rough stretch. Meanwhile, obviously, you look around at the other teams vying for the top position in their conferences because remember, only one team gets that all important buy uh, as the one seed now. And when I look at uh, the standings, it feels like a bit of a free-for-all, right? Like, in the NFC, you wouldn't count the Cowboys out, although you're beginning to wonder. That's a, it's a toughie for them. 
what what just happened. Yeah. Also, though, they didn't have two of their top tier receivers, so it will be interesting to see what happens with them when that when that changes. The Packers are clearly the class of uh, the NFC North, and nobody else in that division really rivals that. Minnesota. With a tough loss there, now five and six. We keep talking about how good Minnesota can be, but they're five and six. Some point, you know, <laughs> gonna have to win a win a bunch of games here. Bucks are eight and three. Nobody in the South is going to rival them. And then meanwhile, there is the nine and two Arizona Cardinals with the Rams two games back, and they've lost three straight games. And you have a surging 49ers team that's won three straight games at six and five. Seattle not in contention. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, what's interesting is you would think, given how much competition there is that you're talking about, looking at all the playoff pictures, that this weekend slate, the upcoming weekend, mm-hmm. would be loaded. It's not. It's not. There are a few good games. A yeah. few. I would qualify chargers Bengals as a very interesting game because, again, it's not only for the division. It's it's for a place in the wild card. But Monday night football, not tonight, but boop, next boop, week, boop, boop. for once, Monday night football has a really good game. It's the Patriots at the Bills. Well, here we go. AFC East leading New England Patriots. Oh, who have won six straight games after starting two and four, and their plus-minus difference is plus 146. They've got a rookie of the year playing quarterback and a nasty defense and a team that right now looks like, I mean, would you argue, I guess I'll just ask, are New England the best team in the AFC? Are they better than Kansas City? Are they better than Baltimore, Cincinnati? Are they better than, well, we'll see, Buffalo, obviously. I mean, this is... Yeah, the the argument's getting really interesting. I I think Kansas City has to be in the discussion because that offense, at some point, is going to go off. And if the defense stays stays where it is, then it's Kansas City. Yeah, they've won four straight, and their defense has been the reason for that. They've been the catalyst for that. That strikes me as interesting. You're right. Maybe maybe the offense comes around. It has been uh, 11 games... But I think that argument, okay, this time next Tuesday, when we're, well, we'll, that's similar headlines. When we're on the air next Wednesday and we're reacting to what happened over the weekend and maybe a little bit more NFL, that Monday night game between New England and the Bills is going to go a long way into answering your question about who is the class of the AFC. That's a critical game. Side note on this, it was a unique day in the AFC. The entire AFC South lost. Every team lost. The entire AFC East won. Every team won. That's just weird. Doesn't usually happen. You know, usually get a mixture. But, uh, you know, the Patriots have won six straight. The Bills got off the snide and won a game. The Dolphins quietly have won four straight, and they destroyed Carolina, who had to bench sorry ass Cam Newton, which I kind of first guessed. Uh, and the Jets yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's terrible. I don't, why? This is so weird. Like, you got to believe that you're in that meeting, you're having that conversation. How is, like, if you're Matt Rule. You don't go, no, no thanks. I don't think we need to do this. Yeah, I guess Joe Brady really doesn't want the LSU job, or they really don't want him, right? Because what is tying him to Carolina right now? I mean, McCaffrey got put on IR today, so he's done for the year. That season is lost. Well, let me ask you this. The Darnold experiment didn't work. What are you doing? Well, okay, I'll ask you this question then while we're kicking it around because it's fun. If I'm LSU, wouldn't I rather hire Matt Rule than Joe Brady? Wouldn't I just go after him? You have to know what uh, Joe Brady was like behind the scenes and, yeah. and how much he learned from Edo or did not learn. Maybe he's doing the opposite, you know, mm-hmm. capable of doing the opposite. I I would probably want the guy who had been there 
and it taken our offense to a place that well, it's I'd, never gone and no other offense has ever gone. Perhaps, but I would probably rather go with a guy who's been a head coach in college, succeeded wildly, and recruited well. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like Joe Brady was perhaps very much responsible for a record-setting offense, no doubt, because it certainly wasn't at O. That said, he's never had to recruit. He's never been a head coach. He's never sat in a living room to do that. He's never, you know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you could bring them both. Who knows? You could bring them both. Hey, you two want to roll on a Carolina and come back into the college game? Right. But Rule has the experience with Sean Payton, Matt Rule, Mm -hmm. and a winning LSU program as well. So he knows what it takes on several different levels. And he's learned from a couple of really high-level coaches. I'm not going to call Ed O that. I'm going to call Matt Rule a high-level coach. And certainly, I think we all agree that Sean Payton is a high-level coach. No, I just find it fascinating. By the way, kudos to the Dolphins, who have, again, quietly won four straight games, and they dominated this game from pretty much start to finish. And uh, I, I knew I liked Flores. I was beginning to wonder. But there they yeah. sit, 5-7. and seven. They're fighting. Yeah, if you're 5-7 and seven right now, you're not out of it in either conference. That's the way the NFL is designed. But it looked like this year was going to be a lot of halves, and then you know they're, they're going to be table scraps for everybody else. But it looks like there's going to be some mediocre teams that get into the wild cards. We can do some declaring, though, beyond just declaring the Jets out of it or you know obviously the Giants and teams like that out of it. Uh, it is kind of interesting to say, like, who on the cusp, who's there that mathematically is certainly not out of it, but you could say with a with great degree of certainty they're not going to the playoffs. I'll give you a couple right now. In the AFC North, the Browns and the Steelers are not going to the playoffs. Steelers are terrible. Watching them play with uh, Ben is a billion years old. It just looks bad. It's just not a good look. And they don't have a good backup, so they're not going. Uh, I would say that uh, I guess the entirety of the AFC West is in contention. I, I'm beginning to think the Chargers are not who we thought they were. Yeah, Broncos-Chiefs is at least interesting if Kansas City's not going to bother to score, right? That's yeah. next Sunday night's game. That entire division is over 500. It's just a – that is crazy. 7-4, They're all within a game of first place, the entire division. It's a weird division. I don't believe in any of them except the Chiefs. Really? I don't think that Chargers team – and they are a minus team defensively. It's weird that that's the case, and I don't know what they're doing with these turnovers, but they're weird to watch, man. I'm not in love with that team the way I was at the start of the season. When you think about it, they're 6-5, and five and they started what, like 3-1, and 4-1, and one, whatever it was? I mean, they're – Something's, something's not right. Something's not right. This is fun. Football's crazy. Both levels. We, we, we still. We, should I stay on or should we just? Yeah, we got to take that break. Jeff Cameron Show. Come back. Wrap it up momentarily. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. <laughs> Hey, Big Daddy, having some red Russians tonight? We'll know in about 47 seconds. Into an open wing. It's picked up by Dowdy, an empty net. He scores. Hot damn. Big Daddy's done it again. Red Russians all around, Teddy. All right, Big Daddy. <laughs> Never gets old. Brought to you by... North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll HR services, including full online applicant onboarding, integration with payroll, save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. Pretty simple one for me tonight, Tom. I don't know if you got a game, but I'll tell you one. Monday Night Football, Washington's going to win straight up. And when I got it, I caught him catching a point. Half point, actually. It's now up to a full point. Washington wins outright. Take them at plus 100 on the money line. The Fighting Heineke's. Yeah, they'll get it done tonight. That Seattle team is mailing it in, baby. 
I got an easy one, a simple one. The Seattle Kraken are on the road in Buffalo. Buffalo's a home dog. They're about the same. Seattle has to travel. They've been in the East Coast, Florida, all over the damn place. Buffalo, plus 120, money line. Take the, uh, the Sabres to win outright. Got two of them for you right there. We'll see if we're having some uh, tasty, tasty beverages tomorrow on the show when we recap. Be good. Good job out of you, Tom. Good job, Director Matthew. Thanks so much for listening. Busy show today. Fun show to do. Talk to you with some of the headlines tomorrow and the JCS on Wednesday. Hang in, everybody.